Hi everyone, I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Sarah Klein, Associate Director of the Multiplex Assays Group at Cell Signaling Technology, who recently joined us for a webinar where she discusses how to accelerate spatial biology discoveries by 70% with optimized ready-to-go panels using SignalStar Multiplex IHC. Let's jump right in. Sarah, what types of instruments are compatible with this assay and how do I know if my imagers are compatible? So yes, so I mentioned, as I mentioned in the talk that this is a fluorescent assay that works with, that are, um, uses, utilizes the Alexafluor 488, the Alexafluor 594, Alexafluor 647 and 750. And so as long as your instrument is able to image those fluorescent channels, then it is compatible with this assay. So pretty much any, you know, many of your fluorescent imagers have these channels available to them. In addition, in each of the protocols, we have a table that describes the specifications of, of these channels. So the emissions and the excitations for these fluorophores, as well as the compatible laser lines and the compatible filter sets. So um, all of the information is available to you to confirm that your microscope is actually compatible with the assay. And we recommend doing that before performing the assay. Perfect. Um, all right, next one here. So this person said that they do a lot of work with frozen tissue. Does the assay work with, uh, will that work with frozen tissue? So not at this time, we have not validated the assay to be uh, compatible with frozen tissue. It is something that we look forward to doing in the future. At this time, all of the antibodies have been validated for use in FFPE, formalin fixed paraffin embedded tissue. Excellent, great answer. Um, what if the target that I'm interested in is not available in the panel builder? builder? Um, can you repeat the question? Sorry, I've been looking through some of the other questions. <laughs> yeah, so what if the target I'm interested in is not available in the panel builder? Um, the So if a target of interest is not available in the panel builder, right now we have several, a couple options. We do offer a cust limited custom conjugation of our IHCP validated portfolio. Again, we don't wanna allow scientists to utilize antibodies that have not already been validated for F for use in FFP tissue because it may not work in signal stars. So therefore we enable custom conjugation of our IHCP validated portfolio and you can look through our, our larger portfolio and see if there's targets of interest there. In right. addition- Yeah, that makes sense. Just to add, in addition, as we've demonstrated and showed data where we can combine H&E with the um, with after SignalStar on the same tissue, we've demonstrated that SignalStar is actually um, non-destructive to the tissue, like unlike some other technologies. So there are opportunities to perform other assays potentially after SignalStar that would need to be further validated by in the in your hands. Fantastic. Um I think you just sort of covered this a little bit, but can I combine antibodies with other imaging assays? So at this time, we don't have validation data to show you that we can do that. We know that the tissue is 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 intact and that our assay is non-destructive and is no, does not is not harsh on the tissue. So there's reason to believe that you would be able to perform direct immunofluorescence or direct immunofluorescence after SignalStar. 
Excellent. Um, so how long do I have to wait after staining to image these slides? So you, uh, one of the positive and benefits of SignalStar is that you don't need to run to the microscope because we ligate all of the oligonucleotides, the fluorescent oligos, after um, applying them to the, to the antibody. We ligate them and stabilize that structure, structure. And therefore, we, we recommend you know, anywhere within eight hours uh, after performing the assay to perform your imaging. But we know that it is stable for probably even longer than that. Perfect. Yeah, nice to hear. Um, just going back to what you're saying about FFPE, um, how does the protocol account for autofluorescence in FFPE? So because the SignalStar uh, technology is an amplification-based technology, we're able to get above the autofluorescence signal. We're able to get our signal is much brighter than autofluorescence due to the amplification. So we do not remove autofluorescence. We do not need to remove autofluorescence. We don't perform any kind of bleaching step beforehand. Um, I think the assay would be compatible with that if there was that was something that scientists wanted to perform to try to remove that autofluorescence using other mechanisms. But um, we do not need to do that in our hands with the targets that we've in tissues that we've tested. Excellent. Um, all right. Do I need to optimize the antibodies to the specific tissue I'm using in my research? Um, so it, we do recommend actually a little bit of optimization, just depending on the tissue um, and the quality of the tissue, you may consider um, doing a very tight titration of the antibody itself. In our hands and the tissues we're working with, we always use the recommended dilution, the one to 100. However, we do provide enough reagent in the kits and in your vials to be able to either use double the amount of antibody or and obviously half the amount of antibody. And we, we recommend that if you are struggling with some background or with um, some weak signal that you have the material to go ahead and give that a try and utilize a little bit of a range there. But often, and again, we've tested many, many tissues, we find the recommended dilution to be the most optimal. Fantastic. Um, Another good question here. What's an appropriate positive control to include in this assay? And are there multiple controls necessary? So we do recommend that you identify your own positive controls for your tissues. So we recommend performing chromogenic staining, which is kind of, again, I've mentioned the gold standard for us to confirm that the antibody is working in your tissue just for the detection of the antigen. So um, if your tissue you know, you would want to perform the chromogenic for each of your targets to confirm that your tissue actually expresses the target of interest, especially when you're first getting started. That would serve as a positive control, for, for example. And then you could move on to more experimental samples that may or may not have expression of each, each of those targets. Excellent. Um... All right, this is from your slides. It looks like you cover not only human, but also mouse targets. Uh, it says, how is the overlap? So some of the antibodies that I've put on, uh, that are on our list are cross-reactive in IHC, chromogenic IHC, to detect both human and mouse. We're currently performing the validation of these to confirm that in the signal star assay, we see the same thing, that we see that cross, that um, the capability to detect both, you know, human and human tissues and mouse and mouse tissues. And so um, we're currently performing that validation and the hope is by the end of the year, we'll be releasing a mouse reactive portfolio 
um, with up to 30 targets that will be available for detection of, in mouse tissues. Great to hear, very exciting. Um, are there any limitations for combining the antibodies for multiplex IHC, like CD markers and ILs? We haven't seen any limitations in our portfolio. We've really combined these and tested these very thoroughly, combined them into many multiplex panels. For example, all of our validation happens in multiplex. So we're always performing an eightplex. And as we do our titrations, as we test these targets across the different fluorophores, as we test them across the different imaging rounds, and as we test them in multiple protocols. So the amount of eight plexes that they're put into really demonstrates that you can, you can put these targets in really any configuration. And then again, the panel builder will help you put it into the configuration, and then you can always change it. We know that scientists may prefer a certain target in a certain channel, and it is available for you to do that as well. Perfect. Um, so I know you touched on this a bit in your presentation, maybe you could elaborate. Uh, do you have any recommendations for software for the data analysis? Yes, absolutely. So we are currently using QUPath, which is an open source software I hope um, you may have heard of. And um, this is something that we're creating um, currently in the process of creating a process, a protocol for how to co-register these images and analyze these images using QUPath so that we can eventually provide that to the scientists performing SignalStar. Um, it's not yet available, but I'm hoping to have it again before the end of the year. Um, it is also, we've demonstrated it's also possible to co-register and analyze these images using Halo. And so that would be another one we would recommend. And we know Visio, we've also tried Visio Farm in-house and they also can co-register and, um, and analyze these images very well. So pretty much any software that has the capability to co-register the two images and then perform the analysis software or the analysis as you would like should be compatible with this technology. Awesome, great to hear. Um, Sarah, do you think this technology could be used for organoids research? So I, we're still trying to understand that. That's something very that's very interesting to us, um, and understanding how the organoids are prepared is really what, how what we're going to be thinking about. So if the organoids are embedded in paraffin embedded tissue or paraffin embedded blocks, so F, treated similar to FFPE, then there's no reason to believe that this should work just as well in organoid um, for staining organoid um, sections. If the staining is intended to be done on live organoids in culture, I think there needs to be a lot of validation still done to understand whether this technology would be applied to live cell imaging is basically what you would be doing at that time. Fantastic. Um, how did the oligos bind the antibodies? So the oligos bind the antibodies due to the complementary nature of oligonucleotides. So basically we have our, our single-stranded oligonucleotide that is conjugated to the antibody using um, a proprietary chemistry. And then the oligos will come in and they're just that those complementary strands that naturally want to bind to their complementary um, other opposite. And so that's the, the basis of the technology is using the complementary nature of single-stranded DNA naturally wanting to become double-stranded DNA. Fantastic. Um, all right, another question here. How important do you see segmentation marker for your panels? I'm not sure what that means. Maybe you could press it. 
Absolutely. So I think what you're speaking to is is using segmentation. You that it requires many scientists in, in, in multiplex imaging in general requires segmentation markers in order to get to that later analysis step because you need markers in order to delineate this is the membrane, this is the nucleus. So our assay, we have the DAPI staining that obviously, you know, on each image you would have DAPI in addition to your four targets. So that would help you um, start segmentation using a nuclear stain. We then personally in-house, we, we will utilize our, our membrane staining um, markers similar to, so if you're looking at you know, tumor, it would be pan-CK. And then if you're looking at T cells, you can use CD8, CD3. Um, when you're looking, we have CD45, which is a marker of all immune cells. So you could, you could utilize that to kind of delineate, this is the membrane of an immune cell pan-keratin, pan sorry, is the on the membrane of a tumor cell, and that can help, you can train your algorithms to help um, perform segmentation. That's how we're doing it in-house currently. Excellent. Um, all right. Uh, is there any, are there any issues with uh, signal bleaching? Um, and how soon do you think this might happen? So fortunately, the alexafluor dyes are very robust, and so the, they aren't super um, sensitive to photo bleaching. Um, we would imagine that over time this would happen. Um, the longer you know you would do your imaging, you know if it goes over hours and hours, um, you might see a problem. But um, we've stored our our slides even you know overnight at four degrees and kind of in the dark and then image the next day. We don't have any problems with photo bleaching off of the microscope or just in our hands. And again, we all of our uh, staining, we image about eight hours after we stain. And so just the way, the cadence of how we do our imaging. So, um, and we have no problem with the a robust signal after eight hours after staining. Perfect. Um, and I think in the interest of time, we'll just have one last question. So Sarah, obviously this is a really new technology uh, and there's lots of exciting stuff on the horizon. Are there any uh, developments coming up or avenues of research this is going this is going to open up that you're particularly looking forward to seeing? Yes, I'm very excited again about the mouse portfolio that we'll be releasing by the end of the year. It's being able to really, you know, enable translational researchers and doing this in higher throughput. We know that scientists that are doing mouse research, that it's not one piece of tissue that you can analyze and come to your conclusions. You often have, you know, 40 or 100 or more uh, tissues that you're working with. So being able to to perform this technology without needing to optimize saves you that time to get to your higher throughput much faster and perform this assay over and over and over again on these, you know, the amount of tissues that you're working, the uh, mouse tissues that you're working with in translational research. So that's really exciting. And then on the far horizon, as many of the multiplex assays are um, moving towards is we are planning to um, hopefully offer a, a neuro-oncology portfolio or neuroscientist uh, science or neurodegeneration portfolio as well so that we can help um, scientists working in neurodegeneration um, evaluate these their tissues as well. And so that is something that we're excited about. Um, in addition, something that makes cell signaling technology slightly unique or very unique is that we have a large portfolio of phospho antibodies, so PTM antibodies, post-translationally modified um, antibodies for detection of post-translationally modified proteins. And so we already have in our first cohort 
a phosphostat antibody for use in the SignalStar assay. And the plan is to expand upon that as well, because we have these antibodies that have been highly validated for use in chromogenic IHC for detection of phospho targets. And so we'll be adding that um, capability for the fluorescent readout, the, the signal star readout. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.